crazy lady. <laughs> well, it is wonderful to be with you. I really do believe that Jesus wants to touch us. I really believe this is a Jesus appointment. You know, for some, Friday the 13th is a bad day. I think for us, it's a great day. <laughs> it's a great day. Some people say, oh, I didn't know. I got reminded because I flew here and everyone was worried. Do you think it's a good day? I could hear them all talking about it. And then we got on the plane and they had barred off row 13. <laughs> so there you go. So, Father, we just say, come, Lord Jesus. Will you just literally walk into this room, Lord? Take our hands. Take our faces and speak to us. We really ask you to craft something in our lives because we thank you. You're such an incredible creator. The things that we think are past their date, that we've just messed up. I thank you, Jesus. You just walk into this place. Take broken bones and make incredible armies. You see beyond what we can see. So I pray for every woman in this room tonight. I pray that literally they will arise to be all you've created them to be. And we thank you for that. Amen. So I've got a PowerPoint somewhere, I think. And as I sort of ruminated and thought about this word arise, I began to think, well, before I arise, I usually awake. Yeah, how many of you know what I'm talking And And I often have to make this um, decision. Do I really want to arise? Is it worth arising from? Like this morning, my precious husband, he woke me up at 5 o'clock and he, the alarm goes off. So he, he wakens me and I think, can I be bothered to get out of bed? And then he reminds me, you've got a plane to catch. You haven't finished packing. And I think, oh, move this butt. You need to arise. I had been awakened and I've been given a purpose to arise. But I want to start tonight with awakened. Can I have my PowerPoint up? You see, I have a strong sense that God wants to awaken your expectation. He wants to awaken dreams and longings. It is that picture really of, as Deacon said, he's seven, of the breath of God coming and blowing, breathing, forming things that have maybe been lying down for too long. So the first thing I really felt is that God wants to awaken expectation. He wants to wake it up. And as I thought about this story, God took me to John chapter 5. Now John chapter 5 is that story of the pool of Bethsaida. And there were loads of people all lying, lying around the pool. And there was this story that went around that if you were able to arise and get up at the perfect time in the perfect way and get there first, then you would get healed and everything would be done for you. But there was a man... And he had been lying there for 38 years. And in John 5, now verse 6 to 9, we read, And when Jesus saw this man lying there and learned that he had been in this condition a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? And I read that and I thought, that's a bit rude. I mean, the poor guy, he's lying there 38 years, he's paralyzed, can't really move, and then Jesus comes up to him to almost rub salt in him. Well, do you want to change? Do you want to get well? Do you want? Why did he do that? And I kept reading it and thinking, God, there must be a reason. And I realized what he was doing, he was provoking him. Even if it provoked him to get mad, at least it was better than nothing. I think sometimes God wants to wind us up a bit. He wants to press our buttons. He wants to trigger something because we have almost got so paralyzed in our notions. We're checked out so deeply. We so don't want to go there. Even the word arises, oh, shut up. You know, don't tell me because we've learned how to seal it all down. And so Jesus just went, do you want to get well? And it's like, seriously? Why do you think I'm here? But, and then the man goes on and says, Sir, don't you realize I've got no one to help me? No one cares about me. And when that water is all stirred and you have to be doing the right thing, I've got no one to get there. And someone always gets there first. 
It never works for me. It never works for me. And Jesus broke it through it all. And he says, come on, arise or get up. Pick up your mat, walk. And at once he was healed. And he picks up his bed and walks. There's many ways in which he could preach his story. But I just felt that God wanted me to say to some of you precious women, you girls here tonight, you may have felt like you've fossilized, almost that picture of the bones. You've fossilized in the same place for a long time. But sometimes you don't need to be old to have got stuck. You don't have to be 60, you can be 16. But already, the whole way you're thinking, you've got stuck into a certain way of thinking. You've been overcome by circumstances. You just think, oh, I don't know, I can't get up. This is just who I am. This is the way I'm wired. But I want you to know that over this next 24 hours, I had such a strong sense that Jesus wants to deliberately and maybe use me and Christy to do here to provoke you. Maybe we're going to press some buttons. Maybe it won't all feel totally nice. Maybe some of the questions will feel a bit like, shut up, seriously, what do you think? I mean, have you been lying there 38 years and you said, oh, do you really want to? It's like, But I feel that Jesus also wants you to know that he is in the room right now. And you see, he was with that man, and he did something about it. Maybe others haven't been able to help you. Counselors, maybe even church in per se, hasn't really helped you. And you, you've helped whole areas of your life which are just shut down. But Jesus is in the room. And he is going to provoke you and activate that faith, activate that longing, activate that expectation, not to disappoint you, but to release you. I want to show you a picture. Next picture, please. This is me when I was 24 years old. Scooter clothes and a lot of other things. And the very special knitted crocheted socks on my toes and whatever else. It was 1984, and I'd been in a very serious road traffic accident in Africa. I'd been run over by a seven-ton army truck. I should have died. I had multifaceted embolisms in my brain, and um, they had arranged my funeral for me. But after five days of incredible prayer, God raised me up. I was totally brain normal, believe it or not. My kids don't, but that's another thing. But my legs weren't healed. So I was air freighted back to Britain. I was in Zimbabwe when I had the accident. So it took 17 seats on a British Airways flight to get me home and for recovery. And this is about 18 months later, and I'm still in a wheelchair. I put that there because, you see, I used to have to go for physiotherapy, or I called it physioterrorism. There wasn't a lot of therapy. I think you're physioterrorist, not physiotherapist. And, um, but there was this day when she looked at me, almost like Jesus provoked this man and said, time to walk. And I have now lived in that chair 18 months. I've got used to it. It's become familiar. I can remember the sound of every bone broken because I broke both my legs, this one five places, this one two. I remember that crack, crack, crunch, 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 going all the way through. And I never wanted to hear it again. So there's this physioterrorist looking at me saying, get up, you're going to walk. And I'm thinking, just leave me alone. Actually, at least on this chair. And I suddenly realized the incredible miracle when Jesus looks at this man and says, 38 years, I had 18 months. 38 years, get up and walk. I tell you, that's not normal. Because here was I, a young mum who knew I could walk, only been there, been told I would walk, and I was struggling. And then finally they dropped the levers of the, the wheelchair and I stood up. I remember being so terrified that my bones were going to break, but it was all gone. And, and God helped me. And literally medicine and miracles, I walk and I'm fine. But I tell you, it was a journey. And so you see, I understand that process where Jesus was looking and said, come on, get up walk and maybe there's areas of your life you think I don't need that I don't go there doesn't work for me but I believe God wants to awaken great 
downsize what you and God can do. Let overnight, as it were, tomorrow will be the arrived day, but overnight I want to percolate. I want you to marinate in the expectation of waking up. What are you going to wake up to? What's going to be awakened? What's going to arise out of you? Come on, there's so much more, but we downsize it. You see, if your hope is depleted, your faith will always be in part. And the devil often doesn't pickpocket our faith. He pickpockets our hope expectation. You see, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if our hope expectation gets fossilized, paralyzed, our faith does too. That belief factor, and God wants to stir it up. I just felt God say, no more limping. You know, maybe you're someone who's walked with an emotional limp, a relational limp. You don't know me, Rachel. I just don't do relationships well. I believe God wants to restore all that. He wants something of hope to arise. Actually, I can make good friendships and they're going to last. I can make good money and keep it and not be spending and let it go through my fingers. I'm going to be a great mom, even though I didn't have the greatest experience myself. You know, God wants to awaken expectation. No more limping. Those areas where you tell yourself, I'm a bit crippled and paralyzed, I believe Jesus is in the room. And he says, come on, get up. Surprise. So why don't you just put your hands on me for a second and you say, Jesus, awaken my expectations. Every place I've got paralyzed. Jesus' name. Number two, I believe God wants to awaken hunger. I know there's lots of cakes and good music. (laughs) But I wonder, it's almost, um, Christy said it and Ellen said it, when you just take a breath and you dream, what is it you really want? What is it that you're hungry for? What is it that you miss? As I was just sort of, again, ruminating on this, I just thought of Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. For the Lord your God is with you, this mighty warrior who saves. He takes great delight in you. And in his love, he doesn't rebuke you, but he rejoices over you. Stirring. And I just felt that it was a serenade of God that was just singing over you. And there's something about music that awakens you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You can say things in a song that if you said straight out would even sound a bit crass or a bit rude. But there's something about singing. And I believe that God wants to create an atmosphere over over your life to stir hunger to wake up those things that you've just managed to extinguish and just keep under control. God is singing over your life and his love song stirs you. I believe many of us carry a restless hunger. But the problem is we don't know what we want, so we cram all sorts of stuff in our mouth. And then we think, why am I eating that? What am I doing that for? Why am I watching that? Why am I reading that? Anyone know what I'm talking about? And there's a restlessness in us. And actually, it is an awakening to him. But we haven't recognized what it is. I believe for some of you, God wants to awaken up memories of your life with Jesus. What was your Jesus time used to be like? What were the deep longings and stirrings and awakenings you had? And he says, come on, I want to wake it up in your heart. Self. I want to awaken and arise a whole new passion for him. I think Psalm 42 expresses this so beautifully. It's David the psalmist, and he says, you know, as a deer pants for the streams of God, so there's a panting, thirsting for you, God. You know, maybe you don't even know why you came to the conference, but there was just something in you that thought, yeah, why not? 
because there was something that sort of thought, well, maybe it could help me. Maybe, oh, I'm busy actually. Why am I doing that? But you see, within you, there's this resting hunger. There's a resting hunger and God wants to satisfy. My soul thirsts for God, for a living God. Where can I go to really encounter him? Where can I meet with him? You see, we've got to get beyond having a meeting and create meeting spaces where I encounter him. Wow, God, if you're here, you've read my mail, you know me, you know even how I'm thinking. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go up to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. How I used to be filled with shouts of joy and praise. I was the most wild of all the worshippers. That's what he was saying. He said, but now, verse 7, eats fall into grief. There's something restless. And maybe that's you. But just within you, you just think, oh, I'm just not comfortable with myself. What is that? But there's awakening. There's a hunger for God. There's something that needs to arise and run into the presence of God. There's something that needs to break free at a whole new level. Soul deep calls to deep. There's a roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers of that relentless love are crashing down on me. You see, I believe God wants a whole new level of honesty to awaken in our hearts. He wants us to be woken up to what we've missed and longed for, where we need to arise. God's pressing on going, hey, come on, you've got lazy here. You've just switched off, you've checked out, you've disconnected, and actually quite a lot of just your uh, blah, mm, checked out. I want to switch it back on. I want you to arise, awaken in your passions. And Jesus is right here to help you. He wants to awaken that expectation. He wants to awaken that hunger. But thirdly, and again, it's come out already tonight, he wants to awaken true identity. He wants you to be you. Not just to arise because it's a cool thing, not to arise and be brave because that's the slogan, but actually something within you just says, no, that's who I am. He wants to awaken that DNA, that very bone of his bone that's right in you. <laughs> Breathe on it. That roof, prophesy. It's literally to put the breath of God, that, that word of God, because the living word active shows his word. And so he's awakening you. He says, come on, my lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come on, come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter's past, the rains have gone. There's a shift of season. Don't get stuck in the wrong place when God's moving on. Come on, get up, come. I've got something new for you. It's a different day. Flowers are springing up, season of singing has come, cooing of the doves, fig trees blossoming, fragrant vines. Come on, arise, my darling. Come away with me, my lover. My dove in the cleft of the rock and those hiding places. Come on, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. Then he says, oh, your voice is great. Your face is cute too. He turns it the other way around. Isn't that interesting? You see, intimacy has a sound. It's not enough to just say, God, see my face. He wants a conversation. Show me your face and start talking. While you're talking, it's so fantastic. I've missed your voice. Oh, and it's nice to see your face. Come away. Come on, come, find me. I wonder what you see in yourself as God begins singing over you. As God is singing over you. What do you see? Next slide, please. Pretty good for growth. <laughs> and you need to know that that is a huge concession for me to put a cookie cutter there because I hate cats. But no, we won't go there. <laughs> you 
But you see, in all our negativity, and we think God's singing over us, we think, oh, God's going to see all the rubbish and everything. And maybe when you look in there, you see some sort of slime pit thing. But God just sees the incredible person you are. Heaven is real. What do you see? Just are you so consumed with that negativity that you can't keep your God image? And I just felt that God wants to awaken us tonight so that we can be inspired again of the real God being on on the inside of us, that we can inspire one another. Because when other people really get free and they get up, like that poor guy, 38 years he's there, and these people get in the water and they get healed and off they go, and I wonder what he thought. Great, thanks a lot. And sometimes it's hard to watch other people do their journey and get totally free, and you still feel stuck. But how are we as girls going to cheerlead each other to really be the Jesus people we need to be, even if our journeys are a little bit different? I just, one of my really good girlfriends, who I've, oh, I've known for uh, 15, 18 years, I watched her fall in love, she only get married, and then she couldn't have children. And one of the hardest things, because she was a pediatric nurse, she was the most incredibly loving person, and just couldn't have her own kids. And then in her role and our role of pastors, again and again you would find out they was having babies would get the secrets behind the story and she'd have to swallow and smile as everyone and many of those with difficult journeys got in the water and they got healed and she never did and just watch the heartache of all of that and how and I remember her coming to me one day and she said I so want God to work in me so that when people get free I feel inspired not insecure and I thought, that's a challenge. I want to be inspired, not insecure. Oh, Jesus is amazing. She just had her baby. And we've got a little boy. He's called Ezra. And I love him to bits. He's about nine months now. But it took a long time. But she's changed. Sometimes we need to be brave and acknowledge who we are where we are and who we're not. I think one of the hardest things I've had to learn is actually I'm not good at that. I'm really good at these things and that takes courage to say actually I love preaching, I love doing this, I love doing that, but I'm really bad at these things. Oh in this church in Malaysia, bless their little hearts, they gave me the kids ministry to do. I'm really bad at that. I swallowed hard and prayed ferociously and winged it. But oh Lord, have mercy. Poor kids, they broke his pride too. But I know what I'm not good at. And it's that security. God wants us to grasp and really arise and awaken and say, God, I know this is what I can do. This is what I should do. Actually, this is what I need to let go get rid of the insecurities and the peace of mind. And maybe if I do this, I can get back to work, etc. Some things aren't meant to work. That's why we have our body. That's why we have other people. Guess what? We don't have to do everything right. And we find people to cover our weaknesses. I need two, Gordon and Helen. They both cover my back full time and make me look good. People say, oh, wow, you're always looking. I said, no, I'm not. I've just got amazing people around me. <laughs> Grab who you are with that hat. Gra grasp your idea. Come on, arise and take hold of who you are. I want to ask, what is your name? What do you call yourself? What's the name between your head? What are the labels you wear? Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm a nuisance. For a long time, I wore the, the label, I'm a nuisance. And I lived in this strange world, and maybe this sounds like you, but from the age of about 30, I was ministering at a fairly big international conference, and I walk into the room and I see all these sort of charisma, shoulder pats, 
pictures of people. I think, oh, Lord, I'm in here. I remember one particular time when I walked in, they didn't recognize me, and they asked me to make the coffee because they obviously thought I was there to serve the greens. So I thought, oh, no. Now I'm ruined if I do, and I'm ruined if I don't, because if I say, no, I'm sorry, I'm a speaker, then that sounds real pish-faced. And if I go and do it, and then they discover I'm a speaker, they're going to be annoyed that I did it. So I didn't know what to do. You wouldn't. In the end, I made it because I thought at least that made them look bad and not me. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, those green room traumas used to absolutely mess me up. You know, what where am I going to do? And, you know, it just used to drive me crazy. I won't tell you all the stories because they're a bit too personal with names that you know. So, but... But you see, in the back of my head was this thing, nuisance, because I'd been brought up in a boarding school, and I was always the nuisance. So when I walked into anywhere like that, I had this thing in my head, I'm the nuisance. I didn't believe that they really thought I was any good at what I did, wanted me there, that I was there. I just thought somehow I was just a winder and snapped my way in there, and now I was this nuisance. I'm just a broke lady, deeply embedded lady, who we don't understand, make us heal. They make us defensive when we shouldn't be. They make us reactionary. They can affect our marriages. They can affect our parenting. We don't even realize, but we've got, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Recognize that. And you see, God wants to you to arise into your full identity and wake up and think, oh, my goodness. And I had to wake up and break some of those labels. What do you call yourself? What's your real name? And what's the name that Jesus has given to you? No, Rachel, you're blessed, you're privileged, you're, you're honored, you're loved, you're chosen. And Gordon, I've been married for nearly 40 years. I'll be 60, we're going 60, 40, 70. So I'm nearly 60. Then, then I'll, we'll be married 40 and then my husband goes 70. So we're moving to, my dad goes 90. So it's this is like boom, 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 dominoes. But Gordon, again, again, he says, but you're amazing, you're this and that. Yeah, whatever, whatever. And I could, I just delete. I had such a delete that I would not let the imprint of God and his truth be my name. And we need to wake up to that which paralyzes us and stops us arising to the true call and destiny. And I had to break all of that until finally I could head up, shoulders back, and say, well, I'm Rachel. I'm great at doing this, not so good at doing it but I know I can help people and break the name. God's so blessed you, lover. What do I mean by that? Well, you might be sitting here in Oasis Church in Perth, but where are you really living? You see, I meet people all the time who are living in regret. Well, if I hadn't had this bad relationship, got myself in trouble, or if my marriage hadn't broken up, or if I hadn't had such a bad parenting thing, I'd still be living there. Where I really want to live is there. But because of life, I'm now living here. Well, you're not really living here. This is just your dress and your license, driver's license. But your heart and your mind is, well, if I'd been a good girl, I'd still be there. Or if our marriage had worked, I'd still be there. Or if my family had been different, I could have stayed at home there. Or how many of you know what I'm talking about? Or if I hadn't lost my job, or if this hadn't happened. And there's part of us which is present, but not attached. And we're a little bit like a plant pot. And we sort of, we look pretty sort of here, but nothing is rooted. We're completely contained and nothing has gone into the land. And so we never really give ourselves to relationships. And yeah, where do you live? Well, I live in Perth now, but. Or I live here now, but. And I believe God wants to awaken to you the fact that you need to get your feet dirty. You need to get some soil on you. You need to root down. You need to call your house your home. You need to call your church your family. You need to start to give some roots and things. Because you see, we can't, until we really awaken to what our name is and where we really live, we can't change the world. We can't arise and really do anything. And one of the devil's greatest ploys is, well, who are you? You're just a nuisance. Where do you live? Yeah, well, if I really was alive, I'd be living there. No, you really are alive and you're living here. And you need to begin to root down. And I just felt that for so many of you as I was praying that God wanted to say, get rooted. 
get rooted, get connected. It's your birthday. Oh, well, if I was younger, I could do it. Or if I was older, I could do it. It's amazing. We're never the right age to do what we want to do. Have you ever discovered that? If only I was a bit older, or if only I was a bit younger. <laughs> I remember when I was, uh, well, I was 31, and I walked into the, 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 the Frank the Man Theatre in Leeds Conference, and Cindy Jakes was there, Bell, Jack Shoots was there, Biff was there, all the uh, Jim Gore, I can't remember who else was there, Ted Haggard, it was all the big thing, and me, and they said, well, who are you? I said, oh, dear Jesus, it's so humiliating. I said, I, and I literally said, I'm no one. <laughs> Because and I, I remember I was desperate to get to 40 because I thought at least when I got to 40 in that sort of teacher's world it didn't sound as bad. How old are you? What do you know? And then you get to 60 or whatever and they say, how old are you? Oh no, we need someone younger than you. And you suddenly think, well if I was older or younger or you go for a job and they say, you're overqualified. Yeah, but that's the job I'm, I've lived for. I just want to say to you, you can never get out of the presence of the soul if you have, you're the right name in the right place at the right time doing the right thing and you'll be perfectly fulfilled. But God wants to awaken that confidence in you. That there's never a best before date. too old when we start, you know, forget it. And we don't have to wait forever. God breaks all the rules with age. So don't worry about how old you are. If only I was younger. If only I was older. Biological clocks and all that stuff. We can get ourselves to such a well, I have to get married by then because I need to get my baby. <gasps> Hand over. God's got it all in hand. The right name, the right address, you're the right age, you're the right gender. The number of times I've got two brothers, I'm the eldest. I had a brother older than me, but he died when I was born. Then I had a brother born two years younger than me, and then another born brother 14 months younger than me. So we're a bit crazy, but my brother, three years younger than me, Duncan and I, were very close. We grew up in India together. We were boarding school together. And Duncan is a really chilled, laid-back, take life as it comes, never particularly stresses, etc. But at our age, we're just chilled. And I'm like, seriously, get up, do something. Tell him to shut up. Don't just wait for it to happen. Make it happen. <laughs> oh, it all went wrong. Yeah, I told you, just sit down and shut up and wait. <laughs> And all my life I used to think, especially as I went into church, you see, a strong leader in a man is outstanding. A strong leader in a girl is like bossy. <laughs> Overbearing on me. And you think, God, why wasn't I the boy or Duncan the girl? He makes a perfect girl. He'll be that wonderful wife. Duncan will kill me if he hears this. <laughs> Great mercy. And then I could be strong and dominating and, and irritating, and it'd be okay, I think. But it's amazing how we're never satisfied. But I really, really do believe that we are perfectly qualified. And what he's called to be. You see, once we know whose we are, then we know who we are and what we will become. And God wants to awaken that sense of identity because then we can arise and be confident. Even if we're not the perfect cut-out model, the perfect blueprint, we come to a place, well, I know my knower, but I know that I know and do and become that. And it takes so much effort. And I believe God wants to awaken your identity. Because once you really have that confidence, you can arise. Head up, shoulders back. You can do what you're made to do because you know your name. You know your message. You know where you're called to. And then you can begin to agree with God. Homologo. 
say the same thing that God has said. That literally is translated in our Bibles to confess. Make a good confession. That's 1 Timothy 6. Fight the good fight of faith, making a good confession in the presence of God. Romans 10, it says, for you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. What do you confess? Homologeia. You say, you confess the same thing that God has said. A good confession is to come in alignment with heaven's confession. And so often, we can't believe that God looks at us and says, this is good. We think, yeah, but you could have done better. <laughs> if only you change this. But we have to begin to homologeo. We have to begin to say what God is saying. So I want you to believe you are amazing. I want you to read this scripture with me from the screen. Philippines chapter 4, verse 8. Nearly, not many brothers, but there are a few. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, 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 or. Now I've known, I went to church before I was born. Anyone else like me? So I've, I'm, these are one of the memory verses. You know, whatever is good. Whatever, you know, if you were being mean in the house, mum was, Rachel, whatever is good. And yes, mum, I know. And it was always that verse which was used to make you feel bad when you were, letting go about someone that was really annoying you. <laughs> Anyone else had that experience? Well, one day when I was having a real, well, Rachel, you're not doing very well, etc. God said to me, it's clear as day, Rachel, and I knew I was in trouble, Rachel, does the Bible apply to you? I said, yes, of course it does. He says, does this verse apply to you? So I said, yes, all the time. Don't think mean about that person, whatever is good. Only think about the difference. He said, no, does it apply to you? I said, what do you mean, God? He said, Rachel, I want you to read it, and I want you to do the, put your name in it. Finally, Rachel, whatever is true about Rachel, whatever is noble about Rachel, whatever is right about Rachel, pure, lovely, admirable about Rachel, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy in Rachel's life, Rachel should think about such things. That changed it. First I felt real uncomfortable. But how many know that would change everything? You see, if we take that word of God, come on, Rachel, Stop concentrating on all the stuff you do wrong. Concentrate on the stuff you've done well. Come on, Rachel. Whatever has been true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. Come on, Rachel. Take a short. Think. Meditate on those things. And break the power of negativity, which is so destructive. You see, so many of us as girls, we self-harm all the time. And stinking thinking is one of the best ways of self-harming. And we so set up a mindset that we can't get free of. And God wants to awaken us because we think if we arise, it will be hideous anyway. And God says, no, it won't be. It's going to be amazing. Can't I am waking something up. I want to awaken your expectations. I want to awaken your hunger for Jesus. I want to awaken your true identity. And finally, I want you to I want to wake up courage within you. It's like, I'm tired. I, I don't know if I want to do anything with you. But I just felt God wants to say that over, just tonight we're going to spend some time praying. But then over this day, begin to push back. What are some of the areas where I've just laid down and become paralyzed? Where do I need to explore? What are the new days and the new ways that God wants to bring into me? See, transformation is never easy. We have to resist every area where we've just conformed. Because so often it's just easy to conform. Well, your parents say you're a nuisance, so just be a nuisance. I was a pluto, mischief, princess kid. They're always bad in church, so be bad. 
I remember one prayer meeting where I was so horrendously bored because there was this one particular person who really felt he could pray around the world every prayer meeting. And we always had to go and we had to sit in the second row past this kid. And the elders were sitting on the front row. So I got my brothers down on their knees and they tied all the laces on the <laughs> elders to the front row. So when they stood up, they couldn't stand. <laughs> it worked the prayer meeting up. You see, that was that whole thing that it was like, well, if you expect it to do it, I'll just do it. And quite a lot of us have made those decisions. Well, I don't want to push. I don't want to push that or whatever. That's what they expect of me now. I failed a bit. Maybe in your marriage, you, it's like, oh, well, you always this way. That you, there you go off again. Well, might as well. Why disappoint? And so we begin to just conform to expectations. But I believe God just said, come on, this is a day of transformation. I'm going to touch that and you can be new. You can be different. So how do we do that? Number one, we've got to break everything about being sentimental. That journey, don't be sentimental. We're never going to step into the new thing while we're still saying, oh, but it was so good. It wasn't. You've just made it good in your memory. <laughs> I remember when, because we were missies, when we travel a lot, I used to pack up these boxes before we were going away of all these precious, wonderful things which were so stunningly beautiful, I couldn't live without them, and we had to put them in the attic. I'd come back after three years, and I'd think, damn, how awful. Why in the world could I have ever kept I think of everything I had lovingly packed, I would keep maybe three things out of all the boxes. I suddenly realized you just got sentimental. Like, oh no, I could never leave that. I could never change that. I could never. You know, I think God is saying, come on. I'm looking on you with favor, Luke 26. I'm going to increase you. I'm going to keep all my promises to you. But you need to start shifting. You need to move some of the harvest out. You need to make some room. Don't get sentimental. And part of arising is, is leaving. And we over-romanticize memories. And God wants us to take some capacity and room for the new. How many of you would say you're pretty maxed out with your time right now? 110%? And then God says, I'm going to do something new. And you think, where? How? So we've got to get rid of some stuff to make room for the new. Secondly, how do we really have courage for the new? Don't stay in the same place too long. You see, that dear man, 38 years, who had laid on that same mat in the same place for 38 years, it had become so familiar to him, he didn't really believe he could ever do anything different. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, 6, remember they'd gone round the wilderness for 40 years. You see, we get stuck. And then the Lord God said, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break, camp, move. And some of you have walked around the mountains of your life, mountains of relationship, mountains of thinking, mountains of finance, mountains of stuff, and you just thought, it will never change. But God is saying tonight, come on, wake up. Break, camp, it can change, it can move. And finally, if we're going to have the courage for something new, we've got to break every hard and resistant habit. Because we, we tell ourselves a lie so many times and then build up our defense mechanisms and talk about it, that we believe the lie. And then when God comes and presses a button, we think, no, I don't want my reality shifted. How many of you know what I'm talking about? No, I've, I've worked out how to cope with all of this now. Please don't change it all. I've worked out how to sort it, and God's just saying, actually, I'm going to dynamite. No, I don't want it really. Because even though it's not right, at least I can work it out. And we just harden up and we've got all our defense mechanism. And God says, sow for yourself righteousness, reap the fruit of unfolding, break up that unplowed ground. 
In other words, break up those areas that will start hardening resistance because it's time to seek the Lord and God wants a new harvest for you right now. So you've just built up the field of your life and you've padded it all down and think, no, I can cope with it better. Even though my relationship isn't great, my friends are a bit thin, I've worked out a way to get through it. I can, I can handle it. And God's just saying, no, that's not it. I want to break it all up. I want to break up that hardened ground. I want to break up all that self-protection. I want to awaken courage that's in you. And I know Chris is going to speak on Elias tomorrow. But how many of you know it takes courage to arise? It takes courage to stand up. It takes courage to put your foot down. It takes courage to break into the new. And I believe that that's what God wants to do. And so tonight he asked me to set a alarm clock. Beep, 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 beep. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Beep, 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 beep. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Because it's time to get up and do something new. Do come in and we're just going to pray. Is that okay? We've got a bit of time, I think. Because I want, I want us to soak in Jesus. I don't know what your year has been like in Good Mouth, but my year has been pretty intense with all sorts of family stuff that's kicked up. And um, so emotionally, I've been pulled in a hundred directions. And the holiday that we desperately needed got cancelled because my dad nearly died and I ended up in America nursing him, praying for my mum. And so I, I was in Malaysia, I don't know how many times I've preached Canada and I remember. And, um, and I got to Sunday, I pretty well lost my voice. I certainly lost my mind. And um, I just said, Jesus, I need help. And then I was given two days holiday. So I've come maybe to speak and think and teach you something. But part of what was given to me on this holiday was a four-hour, if you can believe it, tampon massaging spa. Jesus must have known that I was as tight as a brick. <laughs> but there was something very profound. As they began to just massage me, God's, just the touch began to awaken, and I began to think, began to think of Esther, and I thought how amazing it was. She must have absolutely smelt of all the oils and perfumes if she had that every day for nine months. But as, God, as these people began to touch me, I just felt God speaking to me, because I, I was just thinking about tonight and just praying about it myself. I just felt God say, I want to awaken these precious women to my touch. And I want them literally to marinate and soak in the goodness of God. You know, we sang some of those songs, when I'm surrounded by you, God. You are so good, good, good. You're good so far. That's who you are. That's who you are. God is so good. God is so good. And I believe tonight, maybe you can stand with me. I just believe tonight that God just wants to awaken in you. He wants to awaken. And if there's something in you that just says, wake me up, Lord, I realize I've just got a bit exhausted and overwhelmed. Wake me up. I want you to let him just breathe on your expectations. Begin to imagine things in your head. the water of the Holy Spirit just ripple off out of you and just take a moment to dream. When I woke up, hope melted. Everything had gone silent. I just pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, he'd waken up. He'd wake up your desires. No more silence. No more silence. Wake up, Lord. 
maybe some of you have journaled quite a lot over your life, but you've given up journaling because actually it became quite difficult. It just feels that if someone were to put you, because you just thought, I write all these things down, they never happen. It just became an irritant to me. I don't know even why I do it. And I hear God wants to say to you now, shoot up. It wasn't a waste of time. But I didn't intend you just to write it on paper. I intended you to write it with your life. And I want to break some of the sadness that you just feel you've written all this stuff and nothing ever happens. And God says, no, come to me. Come to me. Awaken. And I'm going to teach you to write it with your life. It's not too late. I love you. And do you just feel in the room tonight that you know you need the Holy Spirit just to blow on expectations and dreams? You feel a bit like that mantra. You've watched everyone else jump in the water. They get their miracle, as it were. But you just feel, God, I've just got paralyzed. I got disappointed, and I find it hard to arise and awaken in this area. That's you. Just how I like to stand. Just put your hands to heaven and just say, God, I want you to blow on me. I want you to blow on me. Almost let those hands be like the sails of heaven. And just as we take a moment in the presence of God, I'm going to ask Holy Spirit, just blow on every heart, every life. Just blow it. Wake it up. Wake it up. Youth, see and hear. Be in a child. I pray that every heaviness, <laughs> every heaviness, you're just saying, I haven't forgotten you, I'm in the room. I haven't forgotten you, I'm in the room. And even as you just stand in presence, just let him awaken the hunger hunger for God. Where I just felt as I was praying, some of you just even withdrawn from God. It's like, God, even you've become part of the disappointment. <laughs> just don't know how to work this all out. I just don't know where you are quite. But I remember those days, like, you know, the psalmist, he says, oh, I remember when I used to go to the house of the Lord. I remember that feeling of joy. But God, I've lost some of that. I don't know where it is, but oh God, I want it back. You know, that's you, just in this moment, just say, God, I want it back. God, will you awaken in me my love for you? Will you awaken those times of worship and prayer? Will you awaken the hunger? God, will you take every cork out of my spirit? God, I want to wake up to the goodness of God. I want to hear you singing over me. Mm. I believe there's someone... There's quite a few of you in the room. You just immediately felt that. I, I could see like a, a little girl. You came to Jesus when you were quite young. And it's just like it's just got hard. You, you didn't, haven't lost your love for Jesus, but it's just like you've lost that connection. You just think, God, I can't find you like I used to. I don't know what's happening. I just feel disconnected. If that's you, I just feel God is really saying, I'm with you, sweetheart. I'm going to bless you, fill you, overwhelm you. You haven't walked away. He loves you. Mm-hmm. It's okay to cry. <laughs> Just let him touch you. Mm-hmm. So why don't you just say, Jesus, I ask you to come. Just pray it with me. Come into the secret places of me. Everything that's become paralyzed. And 
perfect for God at this point, just put your hand right like that. It's almost like, you know, we sang that song when I'm surrounded. And God will take a great isolation if you press your feet. He just says, I'm right in your space. And it's almost like you're trying to get there. And he just says, I love you so deeply. Right now, just pray, Fred, just bless him. For you right in the front row, I just felt his wanting to speak to you. Yes, I just felt he wanted to say to you, sweetheart, there is so much more for you to do. And that every disappointment, you put your hands to things and you worked hard. And you'd often thought, what was that really about? What really happened? And there's been a slight disappointment or reluctance. But I just feel God will just say that the best is yet to come. And I know that's a cliche and you can think, oh, yeah, whatever. But I just have such a sense that God says, you're going to suddenly stand and say, oh, my goodness, this was that. And there's almost like dots in your life that have felt very disconnected. They're suddenly going to all begin to say, oh, this is that. And you'll step back and there'll be such a joy. I believe part of it is family fulfillment. Part of it is just your ministry fulfillment. You've been an incredible prayer, a real digger into the place of prayer. You've dug and you've dug and you've dug. And I just feel that God just says, so much of what you prayed, you've sensed, you've felt, you've seen is just going to suddenly all join up. You're going to think, oh, that was that. Can we just watch your name? Valerie, just put our hands on. Father, we just want to pray for Valerie. We just pray for an incredible harvest that everything that she's prayed for, everything she's dug in the ground for, everything she's stood for, everything she's longed for, Father, we just believe that you are the God of more than enough. And Father, I just thank you for that. This is that moment. Those moments when she, Valerie's suddenly going to go, oh my goodness. Now I'm satisfied. Certainly the best is yet to come. Those things that I've longed for, I now receive, touch, hold, and handle. And I thank you, both in your natural family and your spiritual family. I just believe God is going to outrageously bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Behind you, Glenn. Just put your hand on top of your head. Just put your hands and press your person. I just feel that Jesus just wants to say, stand tall in who you are. No fear, sweetheart. This is a time for you just to blossom and bloom. It's like you've often apologized for who you are, and God just says, no. Come on, my sweetheart. Head up, shoulders back. This is your blossoming season. And he wants to break off so many things that just hold you, contain you in the wrong space and place. Your person, you're incredibly beautiful inside and out. And you've beaten yourself up on the inside. If only, if only. And God says, no, inside and out, you're fearfully and beautifully, wonderfully made. And the grace of God comes upon you in a whole new level for relationships and workplace and just so that you can breathe out. Takes the stress and the pressure and the pain. Loves it very, very dearly. There's something very gracious, beautiful about you. You know, Jesus is just so amazing. I can, I, literally, I can see him in his hands at the moment. And I just, you know, I since it's a bit personal, I don't really want to just go down lines, but that thing about name, where you live in, how many of you know you need to just say, okay, God, I'm going to call myself the right name. You just know, and God, I'm going to live in the right space, and God, I'm going to do that. If that's you, the girls this night, why don't you come down the front? And the reason I'm asking you to do that is I want you to walk out of where you've lived for too long. You know, like that man paralyzed for so long that he got up 
and he got in the pool and he got free. If that's you and you're just saying, I'm doing a walk of faith tonight and I'm saying, God, I'm going to call myself the right name. I'm going to give myself the right place and I'm going to literally arise, I suppose it is, and just own my space and break the lines. If that's you, please just come. Come wherever you are. You can go to the side. You don't have to come to the front. But I just want you to walk out and that be your walk of faith of just saying, I take hold. <laughs> it takes courage to do what you want to do. And as you stand there, just you begin to tell Jesus, Father, I thank you for my name. I thank you for who I am. He loves you so much. And Father, I thank you we do arise. <laughs> and we call ourselves by the right name. And we will be connected to this place and space. God bless you. Yeah, Jesus loves you, precious, precious. Just, just put your hand on your heart. Father, we pray great grace. We pray great grace. You know that precious man, he'd just given up. He said, and Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? And he said, Jesus, I can't do it. I've tried for years, 38 years I've tried to work this out and get up at the right time and get in the right time. It never works for me. And Jesus says, it's okay. I can do it in a moment. I can do it in a moment. I can do it in a moment. And I just want to say that my story is I lived with rejection and fear and stuff. I, it wasn't a pretty story, but I know there were certain moments and times and spaces where I just suddenly thought, oh, my goodness. I don't have to live like this. But there are others around who you feel comfortable to pray. Just come, pray. And you know you're trusted to pray by people in the house. Here. And just come and stand behind various ones and just put your hand on them. We're just going to pray for incredible blessing. Come, sweetie. Come, precious one. Just put your hands on someone and just tell them that this is a recreation moment of the Spirit of God coming upon you. Right now, right here for you. So, Father, you see every life here. <laughs> and whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is excellent, whatever is of praise. So, Father, we agree with you that we're going to think about these things. And I pray right now, in that precious name of Jesus, that you break the power of every stinking thinking that has self-harmed us for so long. And we just put the stop sign up and we say, no. No longer. And I ask by that precious name of Jesus that you awaken our true identity and that tonight begins to arise a faith and a hope that you make all things right. And that's my story. What I do is an absolute miracle because of the goodness of God. He took a very broken girl and he taught me to love Rachel as Jesus loves Rachel. He's going to do that for you right now. He awakens. So, Father, I just pray right now, precious name of Jesus, come, minister, awaken our identity. Awaken hope. We release, we richly release the presence of God to his work. soak in the presence of Jesus, literally just soak in him, let him just put his hand on your mind, <laughs> speak to you, and just as women hug each other, touch each other, love each other, we need people when we're feeling that way, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
every lie he shatters. He breaks the power of all fear. Every bit of self-harming, <laughs> emotional, mental self-harming, he just says, no, it stops. And so I pray, awaken your bride. Wake us up, Lord. In Jesus' name.